What is happening now is the question that we are here again to ask and or answer. James O'Malley. Watcher. Watcher. That's back. Yep, that's the catchphrase now. That's the catchphrase. We, we had a little chat about that last week and I thought that was just a one-off. Week two. Let's see if we can keep it going. Week two, yeah. We have a t-shirt soon. First off, you were trying to make transport a thing every week. Now it's a catchphrase. Why uh, not both? Why not both? That's a good question that we can discuss at length after the show. Uh, and we're here this week, joined by our friend, uh, I've just gone for that. Confidently. <laughs> Laura Walsh is here. Hello, Laura. Hello. Hi. S- sorry, we're n- not quite established that we're friends. Uh, That's all right. Okay? I was wondering when you were going to ask. Yeah, so. good. Wait, I didn't really ask. I just insisted. Um, but it, it's really lovely to have That's you here. That's how all of my friendships have started. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> it's, not, it's hard to make friends as an adult. Maybe that's just how it you should is. do it. Yeah, just so. Yeah. Just, um, we're, we're friends I'm now. so glad you said, yeah. I was worried that we weren't, but yeah, now mm. we are. You're the person at this table who I think is probably the, the best at making friends. Watcher. You, you, you looked at me like no. Who said that? Were you were saying that's me. Yeah, you're very like I've hung out with you quite a lot the last few weeks, and you were more social than you let on 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 radio, Mike. I'm a party animal. Off yeah, mic. Oh, I can believe you, it. You, 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 you know, we were at Labour Party conference, and you were mingling in the lobbies, uh, and then last week we went to see a show together, and you were hanging out. I turned around from the bar, and James is deep in conversation, and and yeah, just a very sociable man. I don't really have anything else beyond That's that. That's a very nice thing to say. Yeah, Sam. I, I, I would just take the compliments. Yeah. That, that massively overstates my social skills. Yeah, I think maybe I've got this wrong. Maybe I'm just confused and I'm. No, being don't, like, oh. don't, don't take it away from it. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't just give him it and then withdraw yeah. it immediately. Uh, James, well done for for that for my perception, whether it's factual or not. For having a friend, but having several, uh, having more than me, all I've got is Laura. Um, but it's, uh, it's a great. I'm one all to you have. need, Sam. <laughs> the confidence. This is why I've got you as a friend. Um, so, Laura, James, this week we are actually to, to let the listener peek behind the curtain. We're recording a little earlier in the week, which by maths means that less news has happened. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna change the format a little bit this, this week. Um, and the format of what else is happening now, where we usually do a story each, we're going to reduce down to what one thing is happening. What one thing has happened so far by recording time. And I've picked the biggest, most important thing to bring to you both. <laughs> the biggest thing in the world. A man has invented the world's hottest pepper. Whoa. Whoa. James, is good? I'm intrigued. Intrigued? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's an encouraging start. Ed Curry. Real name, I assume. Uh, Maybe fake, (laughs) but that's what we're going with. Ed Curry has invented something that he calls Pepper X, uh, the world's hottest pepper, confirmed by Guinness World Records. Uh, And and he sounds like the man for it. He is a man who is obsessed with peppers, his words, obsession. Every morning with what is essentially pepper oil he puts in his coffee, he says. Uh, He has a company called the Puckabut. Puckabut. Yep, yep, that's right. Puckabut. Pepper Company. Uh, it's in South Carolina. Uh, and he adds peppers, hot sauce to his dinner, to his breakfast, to his desserts. And I'd just like to read you a little quote from Ed Curry. I eat peppers all day long. Not his accent, I assume. Oh, go on. I don't, what's give South Carolina? Give me an example, South Carolina oh, accent. Okay. Mm. No, if you oh, got... Oh, no, I don't, I'm not confident, actually. No, yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't push me to the edge and then not oh, know it yourself. James, do you? Oh, no, I'm I'm not risking an accent. All right. Well, listener, imagine it in a South Carolina accent. I eat peppers all day long. I've kind of got more English there, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've retreated. (laughs) If there's the right kind of dessert around, I tend to put something hot on my dessert. 
He said of Pepperex, uh, this pepper that he's, he's invented, it had him literally bent over groaning in pain for three or four hours. When I eat a whole one, you get the flavor right away. But immediately that heat hits and the heat for me was unbearable. It was kind of euphoric, he said, because I was getting an endorphin rush. Was it endorphins, guys? Or do you think that's a serious medical condition? <laughs> um, uh, do we respect this man or are you jealous of the Pepper X? What's, what's your view on the world's hottest pepper? I don't want anything to do with it. I think that sounds awful. I mean, it's good to have a hobby, I suppose. But um, <laughs> getting cramps and and being yeah. bent over double is a hobby, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, and it's nice to invent a new thing. But I would argue, is it is it putting good into the world or is it is it <laughs> evil? Uh, another little quote from Ed Curry. I started getting cramps, and you know, your body perceives capsaicin as a poison, and that's the chemical that gives humans the burning sensation of peppers. So. So it is a hobby. He's poisoning himself. I'm just intrigued by the branding, like Pepper X, not, not Pepper 2.0, Neo Pepper. Mm. You know like that X is the, the new brand for everything called Oh, James. yeah. Oh, do you think they'll do a, some kind of awful partnership? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> or have a battle over the name. I would love to see yeah. it reverts to Twitter.com and lose out to a Pepper that's properly registered the trademark. Um, James, do you have a Pepper equivalent? What's your passion in life? What is my passion in life? Uh, probably arguing on the internet. Uh, <laughs> that feels like weirdly akin to poisoning yourself with a pepper. Yeah, it's definitely not a healthy pastime. I've attempted to have a passion before. Oh, yeah. oh go on. I've got 2,000 VHS tapes in my garage. Pardon? Uh, yeah. What? I've got 2,000 VHS tapes in my garage because I tried to get into teletext uh, and um, basically Just reviving sorry. old... You tried to get yeah. into teletext? Well, I was already quite interested in teletext. Um, as a, the, the old thing, you yeah, know, yeah, you press yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, no, we, the issue numbers, here is yeah. not that we we're don't all, know what teletext. We're all, but what we're does all that have to do with VHS? Yeah, people have figured out how to extract old teletext data from VHS tapes, and I thought this sounds like a great hobby. This is something I could do, which isn't <sighs> arguing on the internet. Maybe it would be more mentally healthy. So I acquired two thousand tapes from yeah. someone on Twitter, and. Uh, I, with the with the idea that I would go through the tapes and extract the teletext data and do some good for the world, like archive a bit of history for the world. Yeah, right. yeah. And so far, mo like I've done very few of the tapes, and basically now most of the garage is now just boxes of old tapes. Your partner has come up a couple of times on this podcast. She's a saint. Yeah, a saint. Yeah. How how is she, does she know about these tapes? I guess is my main question. Yeah, she's. I dare say she's more ambivalent towards them. Uh, I mean, than she's I am. met you, right? So she's gone. <laughs> this is going to happen. Um, yeah, how how long ago did you start this hobby? Uh, this is about a year ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, we've got time. And she, well, she said to me very distinctly, "You've got two years to uh, capture all the data from these tapes. They're going in the tip." And for about the last eleven months, uh, most of them have not moved from uh, where they are. It's so. like a uni yeah. deadline, though. You'll get to five minutes to midnight yeah. and just really smash it. Pull an all nighter. Yeah. yeah, I think that's genuinely very interesting, and I'm fascinated to see how that turns out. <laughs> I, I genuinely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, love that sort of thing. And it's like it, you're doing important work. You're like preserving. An this is important not the British thing. Museum. Don't encourage him too much. This is not like <laughs> you know what what's the what's the optimum outcome here. Like, well, is... he's got. He'll have. If people in the future want to find out about teletext, they can go and. People are going to think, what was the football they'll... score at three fifteen p.m. in the afternoon How on did... whatever it was, nineteen ninety-eight, and I'll be able to tell them. How did people book holidays in the nineties? You're both making. You, I, I can't believe you've turned on me here, James. You, I'm interested in your football example. Uh, can you name me two teams that were playing in the Premier League in the nineteen ninety-eight? Like, is, is this a big passion of uh... yours? 
<laughs> but you know what? In a year's time, when you've done the tapes, well, exactly, maybe you'll be well, able to exactly. tell me. Maybe yeah. I'll be able to tell you. Does that well, count as a passion, though? That's what I'm curious about. That, that's just a weird thing. I feel it feels like the point is, I felt like I should have been more. I I felt like I was going to get really passionate about it, and I, I was for about a month. But then I got busy, and I got into like an it. argument on Twitter, and it just then sort of disintegrated a bit as a hobby. You are like a coil spring. Uh, you one day it'll just erupt in, in a not a, not a passion <laughs> eruption, but like you're going to be. You, you, I know we're not going to go there. Um, like you're going to get really into this, and, and maybe this will be your pepper. Maybe you yeah. will be in pain doing it, but you will do it and, and not not get be able to get enough. That's the dream. That's the dream. We'll see. Yeah, I respect it. We'll call them the O'Malley archives. Yeah, <laughs> we will. The world will. The world will. Yeah. I this is really pivoted for me in my mind now. I was like, oh, that's silly, James. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to have any archives. What 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 it's do I do? It's not too late, Sam. No. Well, what that, would that, you like to archive? That angle's taken. Maybe I've got a lot of toys. Like my mum and mum and dad have just moved house not long ago, and they've yeah. done the clear out of stuff. Oh no. I come from a family of hoarders. Hello, mum. Uh, if you're listening. Breaking news is not healthy. Um, but, <laughs> but like, I, we've got a ton of stuff and I was judging her for having a load. And then I went home the other week and found all of my school books, all of my football toys, Star Wars, XYZ, that I'd kind of just not seen for long enough mm. that I'd forgotten that they all existed. And I was really confronted by that. So maybe my hobby is just clinging on to stuff. I think that's my hobby as well. You can't have my, you can't cling on to my school books. That's weird. Oh. <laughs> um, well, if you get rid of them. <laughs> I'll I, come I, round and <laughs> I'll take them off your hands. Yeah, I can't quite face it. You, do, you know, you do this thing, you look at them and you're like, maybe I'll look at that again one day. Maybe I will relearn about the Tudors yeah, or whatever. It feels like such a sad thing as well because I remember painstakingly copying out my A-level psychology textbooks by hand and it, they were beautiful. They were wonderful. They were highlighted. Um, and it just seems a shame to throw them away, even though it's absolutely useless it to me now. It is. Yeah. When um, my partner went back, she's Canadian, we went to Canada to visit her parents one year, and within five minutes of arriving at her parents' house, her mum had her sorting out all her old school books and uh, for like what she wanted to get rid of. Uh, and then again, within about five, within, uh, after 10 minutes of us being there, they were on the bonfire. Uh, oh, it was yeah. just straight away. Oh. It was like, and I'm a hoarder, so this was like yeah. setting me off. I was like, oh, don't, don't burn that. What if it's important? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but no, her, clearly uh, her family are very different in terms of attitudes because it was just what matters. No, on the literally on the bonfire in the gut. This was like February, snow outside, but they were still taking everything outside, chucking it on the fire. Wow. That's yeah. just how, that they, that's is... how they are, I guess. My that's... partner's like that. She's been a both healthy and deeply obsessing presence <laughs> in my life in these terms. Have been like, no, move on. Have you used it? Get on with it. Um, I'm probably going to edit that out, Anna. Uh, just <laughs> <laughs> um, love you. We'll, we'll <laughs> reference it later on. Yeah, no, um, she knows. This week, we thought we'd take the chance to step back and talk about something a bit more subjective than usual. Something not as measurable or reportable or maybe even tangible. Britishness. That's right. Our green and often pleasant land and our sense of self. Our eternal psychodrama with the class system. Our love of fish and chips. Our somewhat uh, problematic conversation about what we've done in the past and may or may not be doing right now. Britishness has been in the news this week too, in its own way. A plan is afoot to send an entirely British crew into space in what would be the first national mission on a commercial basis. Yeah, that, that might be a chance to wave the Union Jack on a few laps of the planet, but it'll also mean hours and hours of small talk for those on board, with no recognisable weather to comment on. A heavy price to pay for any Brit. But what about back on Earth? I asked James and Laura 
what they thought the whole idea of Britishness was for them. Well, I think a perfect encapsulation of Britishness is that um, you had booked this <laughs> podcasting studio and you knew that you'd booked it. Yeah. But people, the people who were in here before, who I'm sure were very nice, had overrun, but we just waited outside and they, let them They were like, carry really on. late. <laughs> all three of us just went, ah, it's probably fine. Well, it's probably our mistake. <laughs> the, the example that I thought you were going to say was Britishness was a man buying 2,000 VHS tapes and putting them in his garage. <laughs> um, yeah. It feels like a, a passion, a, a British trait from a simpler time, where, well, a time when there was VHS tapes, namely. But having time for these things making time for hobbies for dare i say it james oddities and quirks and, <laughs> oh, and you yeah. know of actually embracing this in life there's definitely the thing about the british eccentric isn't there so at risk of undermining the premise of this i'm not convinced Br- uh, britishness is really a thing james you totally ruined the whole point of this episode <laughs> uh, but that, that's fine because you know people think about being british and what values that sort of imbues and people will talk ah well parliament and democracy and a sense of fair play and these sorts of things I'm not entirely convinced that these are sort of uniquely British traits. Like, I always find if you go to a sort of any sort of museum anywhere in Europe, the the general sort of narrative is, well, there was a big war, it was all horrible for a bit, but then we slowly uh, invented democracy or became more democratic and now everyone's happy and we all live together in a democracy. And it's more sort of a sense of democratic values uh, that we share. Like, France have got, you know, liberty, fraternity, and what's the other one? Uh, Egality, you know, but these are all just ultimately the same ways of saying the same sorts of things. So I'm not entirely sure there is a maybe there's not a unique Britishness about them, is there? There's nothing that you think is 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 uniquely British that you would say sets us apart. I think Yuval Noah Harari uses language about special, not unique, or Mm. that people can be um, like have traits that set them differently. But it's actually it's how you articulate that as being do you feel superior? I mean, there are certain cultural eccentricities which I think we probably embody. I'm not sure how important they are. Maybe maybe I'm just an out-of-touch metropolitan elite. Maybe. Maybe, maybe that's the problem. We can explain a lot of things uh, like that. But, uh, Laura, would you describe yourself as British? Yes? Yeah, and that's an interesting question. I was thinking about that when you asked, when you told me what the subject was. Because without hesitation on a form, I'll always put British. I'll never put English, yeah. which is an interesting... I don't know mm. what what the word for I that always, would be. I always tick European just because I'm so I'm still bitter. <laughs> Let so it go, go, James. I'm still going to tick that box just to send oh, a message. No. <laughs> the, 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 it goes from passionate to just a bit sad. But there is there is difference in Britishness and Englishness, isn't there? I think in sports terms, you can maybe feel English with the team playing mm. and the flag. But James, I think we disagree on this because I mm. actually think there is a real space for Britishness and that actually nationalism mm. and kind of capturing positive Britishness, politically, socially, it could be a really positive thing. Mm. You, you're mm-ing in a way that is, and looking at it going, mm, no. So I think uh, from a, a long enough historical timeline, nationalism has been quite a powerful force for both good and mostly evil. Uh, if in terms of, I, I really want to mention the 1648 Peace of Westphalia, which is when nationalism became the organising force in Europe. You, you 
talked about this before the show, and I went, oh, yeah. we'll see. Go but on. It's, but it's, impo- it's, it. it's important because basically countries uh, coalesced around the nation being the most important uh, politically salient organising unit. More, before people were fighting about religion, instead it was like, no, we're, we're common. We're, we're both British now, regardless of our religion. Uh, and then that became a sort of thing that was a mechanism for uh, growth. And, um, in 1648. In a, and so on. Uh, from 1648, that okay. was the, it. Was the end of the Thirty Years' War because it was a big old religious war. Eight million people died. They thought, oh, no. oh this religion's a faff. Let's let's argue. Let's fight about. Uh, let's let's invent nations as a thing and and, and fight about that instead. Are you? I feel like you're trying to slip, sort of slip in here. The first European Union. Is this? Uh, was it? How how big a deal was this? This was this was an, this was a massive deal. This is this is like set up the modern system of nation states. So back in yeah, this was it was a sort of proto sort of. Uh, so that led to ultimately to European Union, I guess. Be honest with the listener: is this a pro-European argument based in 1648? Well, there were several massive wars between then and the creation of the European Union, so I'm not entirely sure it was that there's a direct uh, causal link there. But I guess that uh, you know there is a sort of sense of nationalism that we can have about, and um, you know we clearly have something which identifies us with our our fellow humans, and it's apparently around sort of geographically defined things. It hasn't always been that. Sometimes we've seen been close to people because of religious reasons. Uh, so I guess there is a Britishness in the sense that we all identify as members of a British nation or whatever. But yeah. what's also but what's also interesting about sort of Britishness as a concept, I think, is it's squishy, it changes. It's not a thing we can always go, this is the defining thing of Britishness and it changes. It's for instance one of the nice things about the the march of time and progress is that you know, we're, we're now a very multicultural country, and that's sort of part of the British character. If you mm. know, the, you think of like the London 2012 opening ceremony as this sort of thing people always refer to, but that was lovely and beautiful and a nice thing because it sort of showed this modern Britain, this Britishness, but in a way that was like inclusive of different cultures and, and things. Laura, talking of squishy Britishness, has um, has your perception of what Britishness has changed over the last few years? Where do you think we're at as a nation with being and feeling British? Well, speaking for the entire country. Yeah, if you would. Um, <laughs> That'd be really <laughs> the helpful. The entire nation. Um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting one. Like, I think that rightfully so, I think that a lot of people's attitudes towards being British have changed. Like, I think there's a, like, there's been a bit of a reckoning over, like, recent years, rightfully so, based on, like, reevaluating like, his- history and, like, colonialism and... British Empire and things like that, which, you know, I think without doubt, I think we can all agree we're all not things to be proud of. Yeah. Um, net, and like net negative. Ne- <laughs> negative, there's, there's yeah, part, to put parts. it lightly. But then, like, I think on whatever you think about Brexit, like, my point of view is that that was a negative thing mm. um, in terms of, like, our government and party gate and the way that covid was handled my point of view negative thing <laughs> like i, 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 I think, think we struggle to find someone to go that went really well, well yeah <laughs> exactly and i sort of think like what i want to say is and i think the 2012 olympics is a good example of this is that i think that british people like are desperately searching for something to be proud of yeah. and mm. it feels that like well, well me personally like I do sort of feel quite embarrassed to be British, <laughs> like yeah. if um, which because I think in the past you sort of think about like oh the Britons the Britons are coming oh I'm tell you how to do things properly <laughs> like I I did think that yes yeah <laughs> but and I think and I think rightfully so that that's all 
like that's not something to be proud of. That's something to be quite ashamed of. I have a right wing friend who thinks I'm embarrassed to be British and I want to be embarrassed yeah. to be British. And I'm like, no, no, I want to be really proud yeah. to be British. I want to find things that that we can get. And behind. there are elements of being British that I'm like, and of um, Britain that I'm really proud of. Like, I think that. Speaking for <laughs> trailed the off pause. there. I'm really, I'm really <laughs> proud I of. Uh, I think you should edit an extra long pause. <laughs> in there. Um, no, but I think that there are lots of things to be proud of um, for being British. Like I think our culture, for example, is fantastic. Of course, like there's great culture from all over the world. Like I'm very, but I'm very proud of like our, the music scene, like the arts, the culture scene, the BBC for all its flaws like i think that's a wonderful thing check out their interview with richard sandbrook last week but yeah it's true like i think that's a wonderful thing and like the national health service but if i'm honest as well now i'm on that tangent it feels like all of those things the things that are being like stripped away i'm just going off on. no no it's we uh, we set you off and it's important but this is this is the thing right people care in their own way i think apart from james who doesn't feel british at all (laughs) people people care people want to feel british I think the reason uh, Britishness feels quite precarious, and like you say, we're searching for something to be mm. proud of, is because Britain's been having a bit of a wobble. Like <laughs> a bit I, of a wobble is a very British way yeah, of putting yeah, it. Absolutely. And it's, you know, we, we had the, the referendum, and regardless of what you think about yeah. the result of that, it's caused uh, a lot of political chaos. We've gone from being this sort of stalwart, stable uh, country that can show other countries how it's done to mm. being this bit of a basket case oddball yeah. um, over the last few years. And then if you look at sort of uh, broader forces and Britain's broader place in the world, yeah, we don't really know what we're about because we, 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 we left the EU and I know it's an annoying thing to bring up and yes, I'm a boring Remainer, but that does fundamentally change our role in the world mm. and what we're, what we're trying to do and we don't, haven't quite figured out what we're going to be. And then on top of that, You've got the very literal problem of if we are Britain, then Scotland are trying to be independent. Yeah. Northern Ireland um, has become more of an open question about their future post Brexit. Wales, yeah. Wales mm. even that, yeah, Wales have even yeah. talked about seceding. I, I lived in Wales for ten weeks a couple of years ago, and it was literally is that like, or is that just a long holiday? It was. It, 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 was, <laughs> it was. It was also we were buying a house and we needed somewhere to live. Okay. But there was like literally, we were in like the, the North Wales Welsh Independence Belt, where there was like stickers saying, you know, yes, Welsh independence, on the road signs that have been mm. stuck there. So did you get involved in that independence movement? No, I, th- I thought it best not to try and <laughs> <laughs> engage the locals on that on that one issue. Um, but um, but the point is, it, what if Britain seems to be crumbling and falling apart a bit, or fraying at the edges? Did you not start your own independence movement once? That is something I accidentally uh, did. <laughs> Sorry, I acc- <laughs> <laughs> we've, all, so we've all accidentally started an independence movement. Oh at some point, yeah. Haven't we? Yeah. So, so, so the backstory here is, uh, if, if you might remember, after the Brexit referendum, uh, there was a funny story uh, that did the rounds. Like it was like the duck on the skateboard at the end of the news about uh, someone had started a petition to try and declare London independent uh, with uh, like 180,000 signatures. Cool. I, I was the leader of that movement. I started oh, were you? the petition. <laughs> um, like I created this petition at like 5 a.m. just after the referendum results came in, and I was so miserable. I thought, why can't London just declare independence and rejoin the EU? the EU here. But you compare it to a duck and a skateboard. Mm. D- you weren't joking when you started that. It was it was a sort of 
I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I thought through the practicalities about as much as the late the Leave campaign. I thought about the practicalities <laughs> of leaving the EU at that point. Okay. Um, so again, yeah, we'd have to we'd have to figure out like border posts on the M25. Whether are we <laughs> going to put like I mean, Barbara Windsor on the money or something? I, d- I don't quite know. I hadn't thought that through. Um, but weirdly, though, though, obviously, I did this as a sort of tongue-in-cheek thing. And, but people did get behind it, and I got emails from people and messages from people taking it seriously, and they were organising a meeting, and I was like thinking. If I just started a campaign, a, a secession campaign, I don't really believe in. But you say that, and I think I, I, my initial, I think I actually did sign that petition. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think that's a, that's something that comes up again and again and again of a like criticism of like you know, obviously you had like Liz Truss and the, her lot talking about like the London liberal elite. Mm. But there is that idea that like London is out of touch with what's going on in the rest of Britain. And I think mm. that is a valid criticism. Yeah. It's really hard to... We're talking about Britishness. There's no one version of it that yeah. London is different to out of town. Like, people mm. do have different versions. And even in this studio, the three of us have got different versions on does it exist, what could be positive, whether we should be ashamed or not, mm. embarrassed of different things. It's really hard to tie everyone behind one version. Mm. Impossible, mm. I would say. Mm. <laughs> So we've talked about Britishness today and what's happening now. It's a fairly open-ended topic. I think we can all agree, but that doesn't stop us. James, we're going to keep talking about it in the newsletter this week. Yep, we're going to pull out some of the most interesting things from the British Social Attitude Survey that was published a few weeks ago, and we're going to find out what the public actually think about things um, and see <laughs> what, what their most mean? controversial views are. <laughs> you mean just us guessing isn't good enough? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, we, we've really, uh, we've really been encouraged by our own, uh, our own version this week. So we're just going to keep guessing. Um, Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what have you got coming up? What's your Britishness for the next few weeks? What's, uh, what's going on with gigs? Yeah, uh, lovely stuff coming up. I'm doing the Leicester Square New Act of the Year quarterfinals on oh. Saturday. Ooh, oh, which um, is it at Leicester Square Theatre? No, it's at the Museum of Comedy. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So, I mean. Good to shout about it now while I'm in the quarterfinals because I don't think I'll make it much further. No, no, we'll, <laughs> we'll put this out. I don't know. We'll put this out before the competition, and then next week we'll have a big da da da. She got there oh, now. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, that's that feels pressure. And, and if you're truly British, you'll you'll it'll come down to penalties at the end. That's how it's resolved. And if people want to find you on social media, Laura, you do that. I, I do. No, um, yes, I do. I do that. Um, how modern? And yeah. Very modern. Um, yes, I'm on Instagram. That's probably the best place. At Laura Jane Walsh. Laura Jane Walsh. Yep. Jane with a Y? Nope. Oh. The correct way. Okay. I uh, wasn't sure. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> I don't know any Janes with a Y, but still, Laura Jane Walsh, Instagram. Um, guys, thank you very much for joining us this week and what's happening now. Uh, newsletter out this week. Soon. Uh, we'll be back next week. James, what are we doing next week? Tell uh, us what we're doing next week. Next week, we're talking about artificial intelligence to coincide with a big AI conference. Uh, so we're going to talk about that and hopefully not replace ourselves with uh, robots. Uh, do you want to do ha- Halloween theme as well? Uh, if we must. Mm, we don't. I just, <laughs> I just want you to come into the studio dressed up. So uh, some sort of outfit, please. That's the uh, that's needed for the, for the podcast. All right. Thanks, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye.